here we go! I'm just kidding, guys. Hey, what's up? It's Mr. Combat number 5, and welcome to episode 133 of CMD Towers, Brews, and Builds. And I'm here with a fairly new host who puts the rando in random deck theme, Brando from CCO. How's it going, sir? It's going fantastic, my friend. How are you? I am good. I am good. Uh... Okay, you being a friend from the north, uh, as we all know, that that is Canada. How familiar are you with the state of Kansas? Um, well, I know Dorothy is from there, yeah, and she's not there anymore until yep. she got some shoes off of a lady she killed with her house. Yes. Um, what else happens? What else do I know about Kansas? Um, uh, that that's it. That's all there's right. tornadoes in Kansas, and no people named Dorothy. That's what I know. Yep, yep. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, you are correct about Dorothy. Uh, she she was a uh, little little white white girl out on a farmhouse that somehow got taken from black and white to color and killed an old lady, stole her shoes, and tricked an old man into giving her his balloon. And uh, yeah, but uh, we're also known for lots of openness uh, and long, boring drives. So today, I just spent six hours round trip driving from where I live, which is Kansas city, major metropolitan area to like some small town customers that I have in Kansas. So, uh, my butt's a little sore, <laughs> uh, from sitting in my car for so long, but it was great. Uh, I got my boss came in town. I haven't seen him in over two and a half years, Holy basically wow. pre pandemic. So it was great to actually see my actual boss. Um, it was great to actually shake customers' hands. It was so good. And I mean, the six-hour drive is exhausting. I'm literally setting up calls for customers next Wednesday, because that's when we're recording this, to also do this drive again. Because it was like, I feel like today I didn't get as much productivity done, but it, damn, it was good to actually see people IRL. Man. So that's you, a little bit about my day. You are the first and possibly only human I have ever met that has ever said, damn, it was good to see my boss. <laughs> that was like the hardest part about like the pandemic for me is it was me and like two other people that worked in the office where I am. Right. Everybody else yeah. is working remotely. And we had that for like a year. Yeah. And then when all the bosses and stuff started coming back to the building, it's like, Oh, I can't leave early. Oh, <laughs> I can't like drink on the job anymore. Oh, like everything sucks. Like Real See, life is it, terrible. It's almost reverse for my job because, uh, like my team, we're spread out across like five states, I think is what my boss manages us across. It's like Kansas, Missouri, Illinois, Nebraska, Oklahoma. And um, so pre pandemic, we're always out in the field. But when we went virtual, he's like, always could ping you on Skype or Teams or Zoom. Uh. And so you could always get hit by your boss. But once you're once you're actually out in the field, you get a little bit more freedom because it's okay. like, hey, I can't do your TPS reports. Uh, shout out the office space um, because I'm in the car today for six hours visiting customers. And they'll be like, oh, I get that. I respect that. I'll have someone else take care of it for us. But when I'm just sitting at home nine hours a day, it's like, uh, you got time. You can get it done. <laughs> Yeah, balls. That's that's terrible. But I'm glad that you're back out having fun. That's important. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah it was great. I uh, Unfortunately, though, our customer took us today to a barbecue spot, and I'm in, like, shred, lose weight mode for the wedding, uh, which really just means I'm trying to eat a little bit better and work out a little bit more. Uh, and so I get there, and everyone's like, oh, let me get pulled pork sandwich, mac and cheese, cornbread. And I'm like, uh, can I have shredded chicken, no bun, and green beans and carrots? It was so sad. Is that Such real? A sad that, did you really order that? Yeah, I My did. Dude, man, that's disrespectful to your client, man. Like he brought I you all 30. He wanted you to have like the greasiest chicken with a double <laughs> he helping did. of mac and cheese, some he collard did. greens and like three beer. You know that he did. And yep. congrats on the no beer because no drinking and driving. That's important. Yep. Yeah. The rest that of that stuff, true. like you, you should have partaken, man. I guarantee you, you would have had a good time. Guaranteed. Yeah, uh, that's very true. Uh, but hey, I, it's been a while since we've talked. Uh, what a, a couple months? Uh, how's life up north? And uh, what's going on in, in your world? Oh, it, my life is interesting. At the time, uh, we've been we've been quite busy. We're selling our home. We're going to move somewhere okay. else. So we've been dealing with that. I haven't ever actually sold a house before. So like, I'm learning a lot. Like, well. Like they want you to pack all your stuff. So like to get at my magic stuff now, I have to go through like this closet that I've like rigged shut so that people when they're looking can't go in it. And it's this, it's just, it's a nightmare and it feels like we're half moving out, but we're not moving out, which is just yeah. really weird. And there's like, there's strangers looking at my stuff and I just, they're looking at my stuff and they don't cool my life is. They're going to come back in here and steal all my crap. But that hasn't ha- hasn't happened yet. The weather has finally broken. Winter is over up where I am in the uh, I'm going to say the Nebraska of Canada. Okay, uh, which is flat as hell. We finally have that. The geese are back, so that's not so great. But other than that, everything is is hunky dory. It's been a good time. I'm still plugging away. CCO is going very well. We just finished awesome. our uh, our Kickstarter business. Got all that sent off to people. Great, and we're uh, are, we're back to in person magic here. Which is really great, which is super fun. We, I think, uh, first no mask magic game is tomorrow, which is <gasps> Thursday oh, that's the seventh, which is really cool because a couple of people came last week and they just like they put the mask on when they go into the the venue yeah. where we play, and I didn't recognize them. So there's like I've made all these friends I've been playing with for months, and I have no idea what they look like. So I'm really excited yeah. to see their faces. That's so full. Cool. It's like, hey, uh, do this. Can, can you do that for me? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, you're yeah. Brad. You're yeah, you're Ginny. Because people even sound different without their masks on, right? Yeah. They have that little muffle. So like, I don't recognize their voices. I don't recognize their faces. I have no idea who these damn people. I'm like, oh, hey, Brando, what's up? But it's like, hey, hey, guy, hey, you fucking guy, what's up, man? <laughs> oh shit. So like, I, I got two questions for you. Oh, damn. one first question, and it should be a quick one. Are geese just as big of assholes up in Canada as they are here in the U.S.? And then question two, a little bit more in-depth one, has your housing market gone through the GD roof like it has here in the U.S.? Like housing costs have, you know, va- doubled in value or gone Ooh. up 50% Whew. and just people are overpaying for the housing market. So first, answer the geese question. Are they dicks? They're- but then second, is your housing market, did it get impacted by the pandemic? As bad as the geese are wherever you are? They're worse here by what? a lot. Well, because they come here to lay eggs and have babies. They're just as big assholes, but they're also oh. like protecting their young. Yeah. So they're just 
the worst. <laughs> and they come in and they take over everything. Like if there's ducks or other birds living somewhere. The geese just yeah. come in and they got like their bike Get chains. Get the hell out of here. Oh, yeah. They kick them all out and they just have their babies and they're just, just showing up, snapping fingers, looking oh, yeah. menacing. Half of the zoo here in town, you can't even get to in early spring because the geese what? just like take it over and you can't go in there. Really? It's, it's wild. Uh, as wow. far as the housing market has gone, we're in the rest of Canada. It's it's pretty bad right now for, for people where I'm at. I think I'm where I think we're the most affordable, like major Cup, the two major cities in Saskatchewan where I live are the two like major cities in Canada that are still affordable to live in, which nice. is really cool. Uh, the market went up just enough where we can we're, we're going to get more than we paid for our house, but yeah. it's not so expensive that we're never going to sell it or we have to wait for Scrooge McDuck to come by to sure. buy it. Right, so we're in an okay spot here, which which makes me happy both for us because we're going to do okay and for somebody else because somebody's out there looking for their first home and they can actually afford it. And that makes me happy. Yeah. But then you also got to think of the second degree of separation from that to where eventually you and your partner are going to be that person looking for a house and you don't want to be overpaying by well, an absurd no. margin for the next one. So it sounds like you guys are actually in that perfect sweet spot where it's like, yeah, we're getting a little bit more money than we paid, but we're also not going to be paying out the ass for the next place. Like maybe some people are in the rest of the country. Precisely. Oh yeah. Like there's, there, there's coming down with new, like, I don't know if there are laws, but rules for people buying new houses and stuff in some of the, like the big, big cities in Canada. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm super glad I live where I do both because it's nice and there's people here that I like, but also because I can, I can afford to live here. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's something, uh, and the last thing that I'll say, you know, my fiance and I, I I'm very career driven. Um, and I've understood in my line of work and where I want to go, potentially I'm going to have to move and be flexible to move throughout the country. Oh, no. Um, and, and it's been something that it, it's been stressful because it's like, we live a very comfortable life in Kansas city because the cost of living is so affordable. I have a great job. Um, and we're just able to do that. But it's like, literally, if I picked up and I lived in Colorado, I would be lower middle class with my income. And it's like complete change of lifestyle and not getting anything as a benefit. So that's actually been a stressor for us as we're like, I'm looking at like new jobs, new positions at my company. And like, well, you know, we might have to move to like Phoenix, Arizona or San Francisco or stuff. And it's like, well, I'm going to get a little pay bump because I'm getting a promotion. But the cost of living is five times the cost <laughs> of Kansas City. And it's like, do we even want to do that? Or do I just want to stay where I'm at? Because it's like the cost of living is so affordable. So I get it, man. If you, yeah, man. if any of our listeners, if you find a spot and you feel like, hey, it's very affordable to live where I'm at, hold on to that. Because there's a lot of people out there that rent and mortgages are going through the freaking roof because it's of everything. CMDT, life lesson. That's what that yeah. is. Mm-hmm. For real. Yeah, well, guys, nice. we appreciate you listening. And of course, uh, we couldn't do this without your patron support um, and our existing patron community at patreon.com slash CMD tower. Uh, seriously, buck to $25. We have lots of different rewards, lots of different swag that you get for just signing up, including uh, it'll be coming out at the end of April, our first official collective diagnosis, where we had you, the community, send us your thoughts and feelings on treasures. We're going to play your thoughts and feelings that you recorded for us, or maybe have some mystery guests read off your stuff, and Tuck and I just kind of spitball what you think. It's something we're going to do every few months, because we feel like it's great for the community 
to be able to echo your thoughts and feelings to the community as well and not have it get lost in some toxic Reddit thread. Who likes that? Uh, so just make sure to go sign up and support your CMD Tower team if you can. Now, if you are currently a part of our patron program, we do have a referral program. Anyone you refer to join the collective, just have them message us on Patreon. And depending on their tier, we'll send you some free swag just as a thank you for promoting and growing our community. Because as much as Tuck and I talk every single week and Murphus and the streams and T-Coats with the video editing, it's you guys that actually go out there and let people know what we're doing and growing our base. So we want to reward you if we can. Now, for any of those people out there that maybe saw my sweet sweater that I wore on stream, maybe it's our foil playmat uh, that I used as well, or any of the other swag that we have, you can always head over to our store, cmdtower.com slash merch. Uh, we do sell everything on there. There are a bunch of redacted bits that contractually I'm not allowed to talk about, uh, but you guys can probably go back and listen and, and get what those are. But, you know, we do have a bunch of stuff on there. You know, one of the great buys, in my opinion, is we have our CMD Tower 100-pack uh, card sleeves. They're only five bucks. Um, and they're matte. They have a cool red inside, super durable. Um, and we're even doing a promo where you get a free pack of sleeves with every sweater that you buy. So I know it's a little outside the winter season, but hey, Christmas in July is right, right around the corner. Um, so just make sure to check out cmdtower.com slash merch. If you feel like you have a little extra income you can do to help. And then of course, abyssproxyshop.com code cmdtower. That's going to get you 10% off your order and it's combinable with every other discount they have on their website. So you guys have seen the playtest cards that I use, my Najila Mythical Archive deck. It could be a Game of Thrones Kinrith deck. Uh, it could be some of the playtest cards I've gotten for my friends and family as Christmas gifts. Uh, the guy in the group has a massive database of just different stuff that they can do, and they do custom. Uh, and literally, it's only $5 for a custom card. It's so cheap. And they even had a thing. You spend 100 bucks, you get your 10% off. It's only 90 They give you another 10% off. Then it's 80 And then they literally send you one of every Aber Duel for free as well. Playtest version, of course. I don't want people thinking they're getting like $10,000 in free cards. Uh, and seriously, go support them. You guys have actually been growing that support month over month uh, 1,000%. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and continue to proxy, proxy, proxy. And of course, the free way to help and support CMD Tower is just share the content you're watching, listening, or potentially reading, because every little bit of interaction from the collective does help. So Brews and Builds is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path to 32 and the 12 themes of EDH decks, we have moved on to the classic day one brews and builds with a traditional episode. We described the brewing of decks similar to how beer is brewed. So we broke it down to the four different categories. The first one's ramp and setting your board state. We actually call that grains. And grades are the foundation of every beer. I can't do a big tuck sound. Uh, yeah, guys, grades is basically how you're going to establish your board state in the beginning of the game. It's going to be your card draw. It's going to be your ramp. If you're a token deck, maybe it's getting some blockers out there, maybe getting some go-wide stuff. Just whatever you feel like your deck needs to kind of get those turns one through five really going. Then we have how does your board interact with all of your opponents, and we call that hops. And hops is going to be the best way that your deck is going to interact with whatever your opponents do at the time. It could be a counter magic. It could be removal. It could be pillow fort. Just whatever it takes to kind of make your opponent slow their dinner roll. And then we have how does the deck actually close out and win? That's yeast. 
And yeast is the, that's the fire. That is the hot sauce. That is what's going to get this deck from zero to a hundred, whether it's its weird meme, like Seven Dwarf Tribal, or uh, just straight out dominating and pushing in poop. It's just winning. Then finally, we have shenanigans. These can be pet card synergies. Don't have a ton today. Or do we have all of it today? Uh, we call that spice. And spice, guys, these are cards that can loosely fit a theme. Maybe kind of fit. Maybe it's just a pet card like me with Ultra the Brood and Murder. I wish I could put those in every single deck. Oh, wait, I already put Ultra the Brood in every deck. Uh, fun fact, I actually have Ultra the Brood. I believe I counted in more decks than Soul Ring. Just want to put that out there. Uh, Ultra the deck is a beast. And then to seal the episode, we have a bottle capping. And the bottle capping is going to be cuts and adds to the deck that are recommendations from myself and Big Tuck. Because Brando's too close to this deck. He can't be objectionful. I, I so we're going to do it for him. But we got to make sure the cards cost under $5, under 50 bucks, and a no-budget recommendation. We just couldn't give him mana-only lands. So without further ado, let's get brewing Today, we're continuing part two of our partner, non-partner legendary challenge with Kazool's Lucky Rune Tail. Uh, this will be premiering May 2nd at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time on our Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash cmdtower. And this will be Brando, my deck from last week, Big Tuck's deck that'll be discussed next week, and the seal off the month we have marketing ross uh, our great artist that has done a lot of contributions to the team and you're gonna get to see a lot of shenanigans but brando we got this deck um before you kind of go into how this deck came to be why don't you read off your red commander i'll read off the white commander and then you just dive into how this frankenstein just got just stitched together all right, man. Uh, my red commander is Kazul, Tyrant of the Cliffs. He's a 5-4 for red, red 5. He's an ogre warrior. Doesn't super matter. And what he does is whenever a creature an opponent controls attacks me, they have to pay 3. If Ooh. they do not, I get a 3-3 three, three red ogre. And the other non-partner partner is going to be Rune Tail Kitsune Ascendant. This is a two-colorless white, 2-2, two, two, legendary creature, Fox Monk. Uh, and whatever you have 30 or more life, flip Rune Tail Kitsune Ascendant. Seems like a card they would just kind of ban for EDH just because we start off with 40 life. That's weird, but we'll continue. Rune Tail's Essence uh, is a legendary enchantment that it turned into, and it just straight up says, guys, prevent all damage that would be dealt to creatures you control. So, Brando, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you, you the interaction between the two is obvious in that Kazool is a wicked sick ghostly prison and yep. rune tail gives me a bunch of indestructible blockers that my opponents make for me when they attack the deck itself is designed to encourage attacking at me but also make it difficult for my opponents to cast spells or reuse their mana making them unable to pay for the kazool trigger thus netting me several ogres and then i use those little shrek boys to go over the wall and beat wholesale ass. Um, the the actual story of where the deck came to be is uh, a listener to uh, CCO sent us in what is still probably one of my favorite lists I've ever seen. And it was a Kazool Tyrant of the Table. I believe it's on, on Tapped Out if you want to take a look at it. It's a super cool list where it was just Kazool and all the encouraging attack cards. 
like okay. forcing people to attack me. And I built it and I was like, I didn't build this. I feel kind of bad playing this one, but I don't want to take it apart. So I kind of just had it off to the side. Okay. I also had a room tail stacks deck at the time that just for all the reasons mono white doesn't get played very often was yeah. bad. It was just not very good. So one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to combine these two. Okay. But I had to come up with a way of letting people like convincing people to let me rule zero a stacks deck and another stacks deck that I mixed together with two <laughs> obviously hyperpowered together commanders. So what I did was I made the mana base basically all basics, sans yep. three lands, and two of them might as well be basics because they're fetching Absolutely. Really untapped basics. And then, own, then I have like however many red cards and however many white cards, but they equal to 50 white things, 50 red things. And then I mix them together in some kind of jumpstart-esque Frankenstein's monster. And it it plays pretty good so long as I draw from both sides of the deck. Because typically if yeah. I draw all the white stuff, I have the mono white problem. And if I draw the Kazool, I don't have enough protection for myself. And okay. I force people to beat the crap out of me. <laughs> and then I'm dead. So... The mixture is what is what is uh, important here. Yeah, uh, this is going to be a challenging deck on the stream, <laughs> and I love it because uh, let me tell you, my uh, Athreos Joyra of the Gitu is not going to be a cupcake either. So I think this is actually perfect so far from what I've seen everyone brewing, because I think we are going to kind of need a policeman at the table, not because people are playing like way overpowered stuff, because that was actually my idea behind this Brando is I I'm someone that I did my path to 32, one of every color deck. Uh, There are I know Brea because that's why I did this, but I want to say there's the uh, Saskia color pie. I don't think I've built either. A lot of the four color options are kind of boring or done. And I've been asking for years, let's get some more four colors and wizards won't do it. Uh, And I've heard the excuse of, oh, you can't open partner to everything because then it's just busted. Everything's broken. It's just chaos. And I was like, you know what? Let's let's get some semi-responsible individuals that are still (laughs) slightly sober to do this. And let's see if it's truly that broken. And so I actually think having a a deck like this at the table is good because it is one of those things like, hey, we did a rule zero. Okay, we're playing like some unknown power level decks. Let's have someone here that can kind of like keep things in check and no one can accidentally explode. Uh, So I actually love the initial concept of this. And uh, I've talked to Brand. I've mentioned it probably like five times now. uh, (laughs) Offcast, I've talked to Dick Big Tuck about it, Marketing Ross. I love that we thought of this idea we said, let's do a Bruise and Builds month followed with a Twitch stream. And I said, okay, I think CCO Brando would be totally down to do this. He's that kind of chaos guy. And I hit him up, guys, and I kid you not. He's like, oh, Mr. Combo, good to hear from you. By the way, already have it done. Here's the deck. <laughs> he just had this laying around like a crazy man. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. What did you yeah. expect? What did you expect? And the deck I was actually going to build, but I didn't have time for it with all the stuff uh, happening in life. I was going to do Cranko and uh, Masaryk. Oh, my gosh. Oh, goblins, your goblins. Right? And it was going to be amazing. But you, you know how it is. Yeah. I just, well, I just I think thinking, be- man, if I could you, you tap Cranko, you sack all the non-hasty goblins to a goblin bombardment to get all the blockers out of the way, then the remainder of your goblins are giant, and then I can win. But 
<laughs> but here we i mean maybe i'll still build it and we'll we'll see how yeah. it goes but here we are uh well I, I think you might be shocked to hear the deck is listed at 56 percent competitive so i guess this i would one? put it at like at a five and a half to six power level i think that wow. probably sounds about right a six power level Probably, I think if if I had a better land base, it would I'd probably be able to push it higher than that. But yeah. and like I mean, some obviously excludes where I only have a couple of cards that are both white and red. If mm-hmm. I delved in there, I could probably push this into an actual fairly stout control list, and it already is. But it could certainly be more so if I wanted it. And I'm curious because um, I feel like you've had decks that kind of are a little bit lower CMC. Your deck's a 284. Was that kind of done on purpose, or was that just a happy accident? Happy accident. Uh, nice. I, I built it. I kind of went to opposite town. When we get into it, we'll see later. Like, my my board state establishing, my ramp section, my, my grains, as you call them, they're limited in the traditional sense to, like, a few cards, but mm-hmm. I just load it up with hate bears so that other people couldn't outramp me. Because I'm playing okay. white and red, so I'm not yeah. beyond the obvious cards. I'm not ramping very hard, so I mm-hmm. just I filled it up with a bunch of low cost stuff that stopped you from doing it too, and slow okay. everybody else down. So they have to feel the same pain that I do until that mid to late game when we can start throwing bombs, and then we're throwing bombs at the same time. Okay, which, which I like. You got you to keep yeah. it fair. Yeah, that's fair magic. Everyone's yeah. throwing bombs. Yeah. Is my bombs are better uh, than deck yours. cost, then. if anyone wanted to build this deck, uh, you get it for about 700 bucks. but uh, literally one green card taken out, and it's about a $500 deck. So yeah. it's right there what I would call median price range. It's sad to say that a $500 <laughs> deck is a median <laughs> price, but that's the fucking world we live in. Yeah. Um, and, and the and one card that I know which one you're talking about, I only I don't play it in here because it's necessary. I played it because I, I had an extra one. Sure. And Kazool is a five mana commander in a deck with no ramp. Yeah. And when he becomes a nine mana commander, you need <sighs> stuff like that. Yeah. And it, it's just an unfortunate aspect. But see, of here's the thing though, that, you know what? I'll, t- I'll talk about that more when we get to it, guys, let's get into this deck uh, and start with the grain section. Now we're going to do a little non-traditional. Uh, we only have truly six grain options. So, uh, you know, Brando and I are just going to kind of like run them down. Some of them are kind of boring. I'll elaborate a little bit more on the one. Uh, but, you know, I'll start it off. We'll just go alphabetical order. The first one's Arcane Signet. Uh, two colorless artifact. Adds one mana of any color to your colored commander's identity. Uh, guys, it's it's Boros. Y- you need mana rocks. Yeah. End argument, I guess. <laughs> yes. And I, I guess the next one, do we just go on like that? Is that yeah, how it works? Yeah, go hit this next one. And I actually have a cool tech for this one for you. And I'll Ooh. see if you... Go into it. So read the card. Cursed of Opulence. You do the dance. Those who know yep. know. If you don't know, look it up. One red aura curse. Enchant players. So you enchant either yourself or somebody else. Whenever enchanted player is attacked, you get a colorless artifact named gold. It's basically a treasure that you can sack it without tapping it. So it's technically yep. a better treasure. And Absolutely. the player that's doing the attacking also gets one. And oh my gosh, this card's almost $16. Yeah. Absurd. It's a commander. Uh, is it a commander only or a like a commander deck only one? EDH deck? Uh, I think that's why. Yeah. Has it only been printed once? Maybe it has. 
I know it came out of the, I think it's the Edgar Markov set. So it's it's just, that's such an expensive commander precon with Teferi's Protection. This, we just found out the uh, one theft vampire sorcery where you sack a vampire, steal a creature. That's now like $8, $9. Yeah, that deck is just, that box has just gotten expensive. So here's the beautiful thing with Curse of Opulence. I don't know if you've gotten to play this deck ever or often, but this is some tech that I taught to Tuck. He did it and it literally won him the game. So guys, if you're doing this like, hey, I'm, I want to kind of do combat, and when you come at me, I'm getting big shit that can't be destroyed, throw Curse of Opulence on yourself. You will have... so Because here's the thing, guys. If I put it on Brando being my opponent, and I got two other people, well, I only get stuff if my opponents attack that person. I am the Curse Controller. I am always here. And I am always probably open for business because people hate the person doing curses. So when you put it on yourself, anytime someone is swinging, you're always getting a gold. And with this deck, it's like, hey, I'll put it on myself. And it almost becomes a one mana propaganda because it's, okay, do I want to pay three to not give them an ogre? And do I want to give them a gold? Or do I not want to, can I not pay three? give them a gold and a three, three just for me to get a single gold. Like it's only Whoa. advantage for you. If you have, you know, Kazool out there, what do you think about that weird kind of approach? I have done that before. Nice. It is, it is as good as you say. It really is. There's a couple of cards in here. We will touch on later that get people coming at you anyway. And in my experience with this deck, people will, they don't usually make non-profitable attacks, but they mm-hmm. will make deals that they can like swing into me without losing a guy. It's like, hey, I'll yep. give you your three three, and you can block with it. Just don't like triple block my creature and kill it off. Sure, yeah, you get sure. Indes- why not? You get a basically indestructible ogre and a gold token nice. three times a turn, and then when it gets back to you, then you punish. Then you them whip for being- wholesale ass. Exactly, you punish them for being good friends. <laughs> God, you're just you're such a Liliana, just punishing people for being good friends. Uh, the, the next one in here is Lantax, guys. It's just a single white enchantment. It's probably the most important one mana enchantment to mono white out of everything out there, or one mana card. I'd say this is better than Soul Ring in most white decks. Um, at the beginning of your upkeep, an opponent has more lands than you. You get to search your library for up to three basics, put them to hand, shuffle the library. It's pretty basic, guys. Uh, we're Boros. We're going slow. We got a deck full of basics. Uh, great thing about this is I'm usually anti-discarding cards. I, I usually don't like doing that. I feel like I'm losing value unless I have ways to get them back in, in my deck. This card, I never feel bad about discarding basics. It's like, oh, yeah, end of turn, I'll discard six basics, four <laughs> basics. Just fucking throw them away. I don't care. I'm just, you know, just setting them on fire. And uh, it really thins your deck down so much to where by the time you're out of basics, you're like, oh, I'm a hot gas now. Just every card is just banger, banger, banger. And I love that. I'm into that, too. And with a deck like the, the, I think land tax is one of the very few cards that actually get you to the point where like, yes, my deck is thinned now. And while this deck is hard to thin because it's all basics, but after a few turns, after a turn one land tax, you're going to. Yeah. Also, quick quick hint out there for everybody who might be new or like me and they just never really thought of it it does find any basic land not just planes i played land tax for the first couple of years of my edh experience finding only planes with it and when i finally read the card again i felt like an idiot 
Yep. I <sighs> I love it that it's any because it I wish, of course, we all wish it said any, you know, any three lands you want, but that's oh, just straight yeah. busted sauce. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think if it said basic planes, it would probably be unplayable outside of mono white. So at least they had the forethought back in the 90s or whenever this card was printed uh, to make it any basic. Um, and it's great because this can work to go grab um, waste because waste are basics. They just don't have a color. Hey, yeah. If you're doing the waste thing. Solid. Yeah, if you're doing the waste yeah. thing, which some people, hey, you need that uh, diamond. Yeah. Uh, All right. What's the, the next one on the list? The next card is the, uh, we were talking about this a little earlier based on the the expense of it. It's a mana crypt. It's a zero mana artifact. Comes in, taps for two. At the beginning yep. of your upkeep, you flip a coin. If you lose the flip, it deals three to you. It's one of the, if not the most powerful mana rocks in the format. It will It will get you there most of the time. So here's why I don't think this card should ever need an apology when people are like putting it in their deck. Cause you were not the first one to be like, yeah, like, look, like it's almost like you feel like you have to defend mana crypt. And I think it's cause we have this kind of toxic thing in our community where an expensive card makes you a bad person or a try hard. And that's not the case. Cause guys, you have heard this numerous times and people from CCO tuning in hear this, this card has killed me more than any one opponent. I have lost more games to Mana Crypt than I have to Sir Brian. I think he literally, MTG Lord of Leaves over at the Vorthos cast, has an Excel sheet of the times that he's killed me and Mana Crypt's killed me. And I'm pretty sure Mana Crypt might outweigh him at this point. Wow. So this, I, I just lose flips. It's random. It's 50-50. <laughs> and basically, guys, this is a free soul ring that has a chance to lightning bolt you every turn. Every it's really, turn. Yeah, it's 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 powerful because it's free, but it's not this disgusting. Oh my god, you played Mana Crypt! Like, mm. just let's get away from this toxic mindset. It's a mana rock. It makes two diamond mana. It's not even two mana of any color. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, if it was two mana of any color, oh oh okay. shit! Right, that's no. fine. Yeah. Now, that, okay. The, there we okay. go. Yeah. All right. Now people can hate on it all they want. Absolutely. Yes. Uh. Next one on the list, guys, is Nyx Lotus, four colorless legendary artifact at ETBs tapped. Uh, you could tap it, choose a color, add an amount of mana a color uh, equal to your devotion of that color. This is essentially, um, oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank? Brando, help me out. The land. Uh, Shrine to Nyx. Thank you. I kept wanting to say Nyx Bloom Ancient. And I'm like, no, you SOB. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's basically just a mana rock version of that, which is very cool. Um, that card's fairly expensive, so it's great that Nyx Lotus is only three bucks. Uh, off TCG player. I'm curious though, um, and the few times you've been able to play this, do you ever really have devotion to where Nyx Lotus is worth it? Um, it. I always compare this card to uh, Artifact 5 Taps for 3. Uh, Gilded Lotus. Gilded Lotus. I always compare it to that. And how often okay. am I going to have more than 3? And it's often enough that I'll have 3 or more that okay. it's worth playing it. So it, this one's more of an experiment in that like I had one kicking around. And okay. so in it went. And it served me okay. And for the one time where it really blows people out, it's really cool. So I'm yeah. going to tap my Nyx Lotus for 10. And everybody <laughs> else is sitting. They can't even untap their land. And you're making 10. And you go 10 and they all go, oh. Exactly. Just they like, just oh, give God. you the finger. They're just mad at you. It's amazing. 
So you're you're actually you think the upside for this is worth it for it coming down tapped? Because I know that's where a lot of people would kind of like shit on this card. It's like, well, it comes in tapped. I can't even use it immediately. Yeah, and again, the deck is designed to kind of go slow, so it coming in tapped is just kind of well, we're just playing the game everybody else is and the upside for me is high enough that it's worth trying i'm sure if i played this deck more often i'd have a better inkling of how good it actually is in a monocolor deck this deck will this card will blow the shit out of somebody yes but in a in a two color deck like this you get a little bit less play out of it but i found Mm -hmm. that it served me as well as and quite frankly almost as quickly as uh lotus bloom okay cool um, and we got one card left. It's a, it's a Sol Ring. <laughs> Everybody knows Sol Ring, right? It's, yeah. is, it, is it the best card in the format as far as like, like just raw power for mana cost? I think it probably is. It's got no downside. It yeah. doubles your investment immediately. Like everybody knows Sol Ring. If you got it, play it. If you don't want to play it, don't play it. Yeah. It's a Sol Ring. Yeah. I mean, I've actually hit the point in my magic career where it's like, I'll put it in decks that I know are just mana hungry. But mm-hmm. a lot of times it's like, let me put in like something sexier. Even if, let me do a two mana talisman or I got a lotus petal lighting around. Let me just throw like, let me try to diversify because mm-hmm. it's almost gotten to the point, Brandon. I don't know if you have felt this way because I know you're not this kind of deck builder, but like you're going down and it almost seems like every color and color pairing has its own list of like 30 cards that you just have to have in every deck. Like, oh yeah, you're building mono white. Here's a list of 15 cards that you absolutely have to have in there or the deck is trash. And it just basically is like, okay, I take your 15 plus my 36 lands. Uh, I guess I could put in 40 cards that I want that I think are cooler, interesting. And then depending on your theme, that even reduces it down because there's staples attached to that. Do you kind of feel like we're almost, you have to really push yourself to think differently and like, I don't put Soul Ring in. Let me challenge myself to do something different. 100%. I really do believe that's a thing. I think that there are, are shells for everything. And they're good and bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's certain commanders that you play where you need, not need, but like, if you're playing Norin, for example, that's my favorite example of it. There's five or six cards that you just put in the deck. Because yep. otherwise, why are you playing Norin? Yep. And Soul Ring isn't one of them. And I think that those yep. generically good stuff kind of cards are... They're skewing deck building, and I think that they're there, and that thought process is the reason that people are saying, oh, the format's getting muddied up, or it's getting faster. It's because everybody's using that list of 15 cards as a base to yep. build their deck every time, right? People only mm-hmm. worry about putting 30 cards in a deck because the rest of them are solved, and yeah. I mean, no shade on you if you do that, but... I mean, if you want things to be more fun and spontaneous and have a different exactly. experience every time, try axing that list of cards. And and that's that's kind of where my mindset comes into it as well. Is like, if that's what you want to do, hey, have at it. I, I could care less. Like, mm. so honestly, I can sit down at a table and people like do no rule zero com- conversation. I'm there with fucking vehicle tribal and they're all CEDH. And I'm like, well, I'm going to die quick, but that's <laughs> all right. Like, whatever. Um, so I, I could truly care less, but it's more when people kind of whine and complain about it and -hmm. i was like well how do you do it and it's like oh well i take this list so that i just throw in the 20 cards that i need for my theme and it's like well maybe it's almost like a little bit look in the mirror like you we as individuals can impact our gameplay and how much fun we have as much as our opponents can yeah be the change you want to see if you want the format to go slower build decks that go slower and then be fun when you play them and people will want to play with you and they'll be like oh man i was 
I don't yep. need a deck that wins on turn three. And so they'll come next week with something that goes a little slower because they enjoy exactly. playing games with you, right? And it, exactly. It, it works for me. I'm living proof that it works. So if you're sour about things being too fast, too competitive, just stop playing that game and people will come to you. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the grain section. Now we're going to head over to how the deck interacts in the hot profile. Once again, going slightly off base, just because the grain section was just straight. Those six cards, pretty quick conversation. Uh, the spice, the whole deck of spice. We don't actually have a spice. So <laughs> what we're each going to do is actually, instead of doing the top three hops in each of our opinions, we're actually going to do the top five hops in each of our opinions. Yeah. Um, Brando, this is your deck. I want you to start. What is the first hop card you want people to be on notice about? When Let me hit you. Let me hit you with a card that when I first saw it, I couldn't believe it was even a card. Okay. Let, let me hit you with this. Let me hit you with Trove of Temptation. Okay. okay let What's me hit you with this. Do? It's an enchantment for red three. Each opponent must attack me or you or whoever's playing the deck or a planeswalker that we control with at least one creature every combat, if able. <laughs> so you're getting attacked. 100% of the attack steps if people are able to attack you. What's the benefit for this, you might ask? At the beginning of your end step, you get a treasure. That is all. So for one treasure, you are getting attacked by three people every turn. <laughs> and that's why this card is 12 cents. But Brando, <laughs> just shortly, quickly remind people why this is a banger. Kazool Tyrant of the Cliffs with yes. our Rune Tail. Like they're going to swing into you and either pay three or give you a dude. So you're going to get one treasure. If you've got your curse of opulence, opulence. On, you're going to get a gold and you're going to get three ogres every round of the table. And it's, it, it's deceptively good and incredibly funny if they kill your Kazool Cause it's like, they feel bad for you. So it's like, I'll, I'll get you with this like utility creature. Like, I'll get in at you with my eternal witness. Cause I feel bad. Cause that card yeah. sucks so much and you're playing it anyway. But so it's, it, it, but it's a, in this deck, it is specifically awesome. I know that that should go maybe in the spice category, but like, it's such, it's so it's, it gets blockers out of the way. It gets you treasure. It gets you dudes. And it like, you can, you can kind of win a game off of a trove of temptation. And how awesome is that? That is so cool. Um, I love that. And yeah, I mean, the fact that one rotation can net you with curse of, I mean, we are talking about magical, like yeah. Christmas land, but you know, you have rune, um, out there. We got Kazool. You got your curse rotation, three ogres, three gold, one treasure. That's amazing. That That's is so good. much value. Yeah. And the, and the fact that it's like so hard to almost stop that because it becomes kind of that modal choice by your opponents. And that's where I'm, I'm starting to see your deck. I'm seeing you, I'm seeing yeah. you. And yeah. it's a lot of this, like, yeah, there's no one card that's just like, Oh my God, get rid of it. But it's a lot of like, Oh, well this kind of feeds into that. And then that feeds into that. And then this kind of ties back to this. So it's almost that, well, I had a disenchant. What the hell do I disenchant? <laughs> there's too many fucking options. Um, and then it's like, well, Okay, do I have to disenchant then Eternal Witness to get disenchant back to disenchant again? Did I just like waste <laughs> seven mana to deal with this asshole? Like, I don't want to do that. Uh, so it'll be someone else's problem. And that's what I've seen, Brando, when you kind of get this board state where everything's kind of talking to each other. People are like, mass board wipe. And then someone's like, well, I don't want to mass board wipe. That's my board too. It's just, you have created this perfect bubble 
of just uh, your opponents being like, I don't know what to yeah, do. I hate this. Also, if you ever want to counter a spell without countering, like using a counter spell, when somebody tries to kill your troll temptation, just go, really? <laughs> really? And usually they'll stop. Like, they'll reread the card and like, oh, I don't want to waste my, oh, I don't want to waste it. It's happened more than once. It's awesome. It's very good. That is so cool. Well, my first hop card I want to talk to you is a little bit of a toll that my opponents are going to have to pay to go to war. So I want to talk about War's Toll because I freaking love this card. Mm -hmm. Three colorless red. It's $4 now. Wow. Uh, rare enchantment. Whenever an opponent taps a land for mana, tap all lands that player controls. Uh, if a creature an opponent controls attacks, all creatures attack that opponent if able. Um, so... One thing to clarify for people, um, and people meaning people listening, uh, would be the first effect of it. You can float out your mana. I mean, anytime there are any of those things, it would just be a, oh, I tap a mountain. Okay, well, War's Toll's on the stack. Do you want to interact with it? And if you just say no, then I guess all your lands get tapped and you get fuck all. But usually you just basically War's Toll, you have to float all your mana at once and just spend it in one big nut draw if you're tapping lands. But what I really like is that second effect for this deck, that force combat. You want to go in to just get a taste because you just wanted a gold and you and I made a deal. Well, now you actually have to attack with your whole army. And I didn't make a whole deal for your army. So Kazool, I guess, is just going to make 10 ogres. Yeah. And now I got 10 30-30s. What you going to do? Uh, there's just so much you can do with this card. It, it's super good in the deck. And it does exactly what you said. It's actually on my list, too. Of cards oh, to talk amazing. about. Yeah, because like, it, it and one of the things I really like about it, and when I build a deck that is kind of staxy and controly, one of the things that I like to do is I try and include things like this that make the game harder for everybody else. Like this makes the decision trees that you're going down. Yeah. So if you're gonna play something on your turn, you want to play a creature, well, you lose all your interaction for the rest of the turn cycle. If you want to attack, mm -hmm. you you lose all your blockers for the rest of the turn cycle. And it just makes the game way more difficult and way more all or nothing, which I love. But yep. not everybody else's is into, let's just go in, as, as I am, right? Yeah. I mean, you're just straight up, like, on Monday Night Raw, just, like, fucking coming in out of nowhere. The guy thought he already won the belt, and you're like, fuck you, let's go harder. And I roll in with the beer truck and just give it to him. It's amazing. Oh, give it, you know, 316 style. Oh. Um, all right. Well, you and I matched up on War's Hole, which is awesome. What would be the third card on your hop list? This is a, a card that I throw into virtually any deck that can fit it, because I love, 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 love Hushbringer. Oh, yeah. And it, it's one of those early, it's one of my favorite two drops in all of the format because it just shuts off so much. And people don't even really understand the power of a 1-2 flying lifelinker for white 1 that makes creatures entering or exiting the battlefield. Their abilities don't happen. It just turns aristocrats decks off. It turns all of the, all the blinkety blink wow. blink decks, turns them off. I actually totally like how you for years always thought uh, Lantax said basic planes. I always thought this should shut down creatures entering the battlefield. I had no idea that it was also the dying effect as well. Yeah, like coming and going. It just, it just, it gets you. And it's got some evasion on it. So it can like block a little dinky flyer. Yeah. And it's got life links. So, I mean, if you happen to fall below 30 and your rune tail doesn't want to flip, you can kind of use your Hushbringer to sneak in to keep you up there. Hushbringer is such an understated card and i think that 
it's one of those control pieces that you can play in virtually any deck and people can't really get mad at it. It's not a winter orb. It's not a, a static orb, which we might talk about later. Like they're, you know what I mean? They're not as harsh yeah. or as hard. And it's on like a body that you can play removal and kill. But in yeah. those early phases of the game, it turns off an, an, an excellent amount of stuff. And in the later game, it does too. Well, yeah, because I mean, I've always looked at Enter the Battlefield or basically any type of ETB, LTB uh, effects. Um, that's free value. Or potentially the whole reason the card's in the deck, yeah. aka think like acidic slime. Nobody's running acidic slime for a five mana, what, two, two death touch. Zero That's people. Awful. Zero yeah. people uh, yeah. are signing up for that poll. Uh, everyone's doing it for its destroy all the crap that it does. So, yeah, Hushbringer is a slam dunk. But I will say, uh, in my playgroup at least, this card brings so much hate. Because oh. so many people use Enter the Battlefield. It's like, oh, well, now I got to kill Mr. Combo. So that way I can get rid of Hushbringer. And I just want to be like, no, just use Murder or Wrath of God. Don't have to kill me. <laughs> also really good against Solemn Simulacrum. Fast becoming my least favorite card. And like Hushbringer just makes him even worse. And I love that. Well, the second card I wanted to talk about is such a mean card. But hey, it's modal. My opponents can pay for it. Spell Tithe the Enforcer. Ooh. Or just Enforcer. Uh, three colorless, white, white, three, three. Creature, elephant, wizard. Whenever an opponent plays a spell, casts a spell, it's old wording. Uh, that player sacks a permanent unless he <laughs> or she pays one. What monster? Like, did someone just pee in your Cheerios? Like, what happened? Mr. Combo, can I ask you a question? Yeah. You want to pay the one? Uh, fuck yeah, I want to pay yeah, the one. Yeah, you do, right? Like, <laughs> Ristic study my ass. Like, this card is so good. And it just, it makes your spells cost one more. Because nobody's paying something into this unless they have something that specifically they want to go into yeah. the graveyard, right? But I mean, that doesn't happen as often as I think people think. And it, it like, it's the ultimate tax card. Like, because some people, they'll yeah. forget about it. And it's like, and I, I hate angles shooting like that. But they're like, oh, windmill slam their thing that just wrecks me. It's like, are you going to yep. pay the one? I can't. Well, bud, I guess. <laughs> Sack a permanent. <laughs> yeah. Perm, dude. And then like the, inevitably the land goes into the graveyard and it's yep. just, it's so good. I love yeah, Skull That's actually kind of how I see this card snowballing for your opponents is a lot of people are like, ugh, I guess I'll just throw a basic land in there. Whatever. I'll draw another land. And I've done that before myself to where, not with this <laughs> card, but like the sack a single permanent. And then I realize five turns later, I only got like four lands or three lands and it's like turn eight. The hell I'm going to do. I'm <laughs> forked. <laughs> so Brando, what would be the fourth card on your list? I'm going to talk angels trumpet. Oh, okay. An oldie, but a goodie angels trumpet is an artifact for three. It's got the group hug effect of attacking. Doesn't cause creatures to tap. So all creatures essentially when they're attacking have vigilance. But it also has an extra paragraph that says at the end of each player's turn, you tap all untapped creatures they control that didn't attack. And then Angel's Trumpet will deal one damage to them for each creature they tapped. So it's attack or eat shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so in this deck, there's a whole bunch of stuff that makes it, it disincentivizes people to attack me. As much as I want people to attack me. Yeah. And the reason that I do that is because Angel's Trumpet's going to encourage my three opponents to kill each other. 
And then it makes it way more easy for me to just kill that last guy. Yep. Uh, great card. Great reason to have it in here. Um, honestly, I think Angel's Trumpet, if you if you think of yourself as a chaos mage, you need to have a copy of Angel's Trumpet in your binder to put in all of your decks. Because honestly, I see this card, and I would put this almost on the same level as, uh, um, oh my gosh, uh, Warp World. Just yeah. shuffle everything up, get a bunch of random chaos. Like Angel's Trumpet's like, hey, everyone's swinging every GD turn, or you're taking damage. So of course people yeah. are going to be swinging. Like that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Either um, you're going to attack, or yep. you're not, and then somebody else is going to attack. Probably you, because you can't block now because you didn't attack. It's yep. it's so good. Well, uh, my next card I wanted to talk about is a very cute card, and it's a Gabo that likes to force creatures to attack. Oh. We're talking about the Goblin Diplomats. I've never seen this card. <laughs> um, a, never? the set symbol kind of looks like a butt plug. Um, mm -hmm. B, it's a colorless red creature goblin, 2-1, tap, each creature attacks this turn if able. I love just holding that up to be like, so, like, what's the plan there? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm just going to do this, and then I'm going to pass. And I'm like, well, I think I'd actually like you to attack. Or you see someone make a deal with their Eldrazi Titan. Okay, I know we got to deal with Brando and his stuff, so uh, let, let me just hold tight, and I'll, I'll swing next time. I won't swing at you. And it's like, well, how about you do swing? How about we force your hand? Anytime, I love modal, but I actually love forcing my opponents more if I want to be honest with everyone. And this little quarter card is great. It's super good. And it's in there for the exact reason that you just said. And that's the reason that it was also on my short list to talk about. Oh, because nice. Goblin, Di Goblin Diplomats is so damn good for the same reason that Angel's Trumpet is good because it just gets the blockers out of the way. And there are going to be times where we're not the threat. Well, we're not mm -hmm. the problem, but we can protect ourselves maybe even better than the other two players. And you can convince you just force threat guy to swing in and like kind of blow his load a little bit where he's got to go mm -hmm. in at you or else. Right. And then yeah. you, you and the other two table players at the table can get in there and, and kill him off like the elf ball guy or maybe the sliver guy. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. sometimes if you're playing those kind of creature combo decks, elves might be a bad example because they want to attack anyway. But you know what I mean? And early yeah. on, elf ball when they have they don't have their big mana sinks, get well, exactly. their dorks to attack and just kill them all with blocks. Yep, uh, Reese the Redeemed is a great example of that. That's usually a deck that like turn four or five is like really really scary. So if you can kind of force Reese to attack when they don't have mana, it's like I'm going to kill your commander over and over, so you can't populate your entire board and, yeah. and just go out of control. So yeah. That's yeah. great. Super duper well, I good. I think you got one left. What's your, uh, or is that all of them? That's all of them. Because we, we, we doubled up on two, Yeah, man. Well, I, I got two left. Um, this one um, is amazing, and it partners great with everything we talked about, because we talked about needing to force creatures to attack. Now, we also want some advantages when we force our opponents to attack, so Light Mind Field yeah. will just murder everyone. Yes. Two colorless white-white enchantment, $2.34. Whenever one or more creatures attack, Light Mind Field deals damage to each of those creatures equal to the number of attacking creatures. Hey, uh, you know, I think Goblin Diplomats wants you to attack. You now have to attack. Well, Light Mind Field's going to board wipe you. How's that feel? Yes, and it feels great. And keep in mind... It deals damage. Mm -hmm. So as long as we have a rune tail, we can attack through it and not give a damn. Yep. That's very important. 
And it's also important that um, Kazool is an attack trigger. So a lot of times there'll be stuff like, hey, if it's unblocked, you get this. Or if no one blocked it, Light Minefield with Kazool, you could still get your three threes and they still lose their attackers. And that's yeah. what's beautiful about it. It's like, hey, you lost your whole board. Do you also want to pay three so I don't get a, a dude? <laughs> no one's going to say yes to that. They're like, fuck you, Brando. And it's not even three. It's like, do you want to pay 15? Oh, so I don't yeah, get that's five true. dudes, right? Like, it's even worse. And of course, you're God. sitting there like, hey, 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 because you know they can't pay because you made sure that they had to tap all their mana before combat with a war's toll. Yeah. Yeah. You're like the U.S. government. We got in there, took uh, took all of our taxes, and now you're penniless, and now you're dependent on us. Uh, and then the last one I want to talk about is Archon of Amiria. I really like this card a lot. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, Thalia. Two colorless white creature Archon flying. Each player can't cast more than one spell each turn. Non-basic land your opponent's control into the battlefield tapped. This is essentially Kalia just swapping the creatures entering tapped with the can't cast more than one spell each turn. Um, and I actually really, I think that's a good trade-off for this deck because I also have a stacks deck. Traditionally, you're not stacks card, stacks card, stacks card, stacks card. It's like usually stacks card, hold up responses, or uh, impulse draw, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and Archon of Emeria gives you that extra advantage because you don't even want creatures entering tap. Like if my opponents get hasty boys, hasty boys come my way. I want some ogres. I, yeah. I want some benefits. Um, so is Archon of Emeria, has it done the work that I'm thinking it does in my head? Or is it maybe read better than it actually plays? It plays quite well on the deck. It didn't perform amazingly the times that I've played it. But okay. as mana bases become exponentially greedier, that second ability is clutch. Mm -hmm. Because like, if you could power this out, let's say turn one with a mana crypt, like you're going to slow down all your opponents probably by multiple turns because they only play four basics. Yeah, you know I mean? I'm not sure what your play group is like, but the guys that I play with are greedy AF. That's why things like Blood Moon and Magus of the Moon and this are just unbelievable in maybe yeah. my meta, but I think in general too, because everybody's playing non-basics now. Yeah, I, I am a greedy mana base person, but that's mainly because in our local play group and what we really preach here at CMD Tower is Magic the Gathering, it is a hobby. It is, I, I always use the example of uh, people that are amateur, like, go to the track and race cars and stuff. Uh, it's like, hey, if you want that nitrous tank that does extra stuff, you got to pay the money for it. It's not like you can just go get a free copy of it and play, um, even if you're not doing it for money or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So we've always kind of been on that idea or trained, hey, just own a copy of the card and then we'll go ahead and, uh, you know, play test it. Use abyssproxyshop.com, shameless plug. Um, and go ahead and get that done. So what I really, really like, or what I'm scared of actually, is my four, because I did a four color partner deck. And yeah. buddy, uh, I, I got basics, just not a lot of basics. So oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little a puckered butthole yeah. a little bit. Uh, I'm I will a get scared. You. I will get Oh, you're you. going to get me. Oh, yes. You, yes, you, you're, you're going to get man. got, sir. It's going to happen. <laughs> and I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, trust me, uh, Big Tuck will be looking forward to that as well. <laughs> uh, well, guys, that wraps up this disgusting, just like F you hop section. Now let's see how 
all of this like FUs are going to translate into I wins in the yeast package. Um, I'll start with, I think, a card that we both probably picked. I would assume Blade Historian. Great I, card. Was I, this I one as yours as well? No, I knew that you were going to pick it. So I did. Oh, yeah. oh man, he's I, meta picking me now. Yeah, I met it. Well, yet. we got hybrid, 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 hybrid. It's all Boros, so you can pay any combination of red and white as long as it equals four. Creature human cleric two three attacking creatures you control have double strike. Not a whole lot to say here. Double damage is good, uh, from what I hear. Yes, it's it's fairly solid, and it turns your three threes. They swing for six now, and yep, this is this might shock some people. But six is more than three. That's crazy. Right? I know it's wild. Now, but is, is this a card when you play this deck like you're trying? Or is this a card you're trying to get to because this really does help the deck win? Or is it like, hey, happy accident. I get it. I'm happy. Yes. Is the answer okay. to that question. No matter, no matter when you play this, it's one of those cards you kind of keep in your hand until you're down to like, oh, I could just about get there. And everybody, like people will kind of sit on their laurels like, oh, Brando's kind of. He's, he's jabbing and dodging, and this turns your deck immediately offensive. And you can take whatever you've got left and usually crush somebody with it. And I was kind of, yeah. I was just more thinking from the aspect of if this is a card you're trying to get, would it be worth exploring cards that give you benefits whenever you deal combat damage to a player? Because now you get double the benefit. I just wasn't sure if some double mint gum action was uh, worth looking into. Hypothetically, um, I'm not playing any, but I'm open to suggestions, as we'll see later. Yeah, okay. I mean, as it stands yeah. right now, the Blade Historian is kind of the switch that turns my deck from defense mode to off to it flips from uh, what is it, face down to attack mode? I don't know. I don't play Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's defense mode to attack mode. There we go. That's um, that's what the Blade Historian is for. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, hey, what is your first yeast card? Um, I know what card it's not, because you already told me you hope that I cut this card from the deck. <laughs> Joke, it's talked about. I love it. But what was your first yeast card? Now, I didn't realize how much this card cost until today. Okay. So I'm worried. Because I, I, I always look at this as like one of the most underrated one drops in our format. And it's Sarah mm. Ascendant. And Sarah Ascendant is a 1-1 one, one for 1 white with lifelink. But let's be honest, because if you drop it on turn 1, it's going to be a 6-6 six, six flying lifelinking 1-6-6 six, six for 1 that flies and has lifelink. It's the most bonkers 1-drop, yes. maybe not ever, but holy crap, can this I card mean, do work. Okay, cards on the table. You have this in your opening hand. And you got land tax in your opening hand. And you got soul ring in your opening hand. Ooh. I'm playing Sarah Ascendant every damn time turn one. Let me tell you. Because yeah. this card, turn one, I get, before my opponents can get this card killed, I am consistently, in the games that I've played, I'll be at like 70 plus life, and my opponents will be in the 20s before they can get rid of it. Because this it's just so backbreaking early. It will steamroll the game all by itself unless it's answered. And that's part of the reason why I play it and all of the reason why I like it. Because if they're, if you play it turn one, you're virtually guaranteed a swing with it. So you've swung the game by about 12 life yep. for one mana. And if somebody uses a really good removal spell on it, which is your one drop, your two drop awesome. removal, 
that's amazing because now you can't kill my Kazool, you can't kill my Rune yep. Tail because you used it to kill my Sarah Ascendant. And if I get another attack with it, now we've had a 24, 24. point life swing, 36, 48, right? Like your Sarah Ascendant can steamroll the whole game for one mana. Yeah. It must be answered. And you and it comes out on turn one. And by the time it's answered, you're probably at 90 life. And the next card I'm going to talk about is it another amazing one drop, but this Ooh. is mono red. What? Well, also one of my favorite cards. It is Ooh. not $27 like Sarah Ascendant. <laughs> it's 67 cents. I love Dragon Master Outcast, man. Yeah, dude. Great job on putting this card in yeah, here. Dude. Single red, human shaman. It's a mythic. It's a 1-1. One, one. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you got six or more land, you're making a 5-5 five, five red dragon boy token with flying. Um, so many people kind of, you know, come at me with this card. Not necessarily community-wise, just like, you know, talking with people and whatnot. But, like, it's not good unless you're playing, like, a lands matters deck. You need to get the six or more so fast. And I'm like, no. Because kind of for the same logic you use with Saracen, if I put this down turn one, People know it's coming, and if they waste their premium removal on it, hey, amazing good for you, yeah, awesome. Uh, you don't, you ignore it for six, or uh, you know, however it turns, it takes for me to get to six lands. Okay, I got five, five boys now, and it still only was one mana investment. So, yeah. uh, love this card. It's so good. Also on my list. Oh my so gosh, damn good. look at that! Because oh, yeah. this deck is designed to to strap an anchor to your opponents. Right, you're getting mm-hmm. to six land. You're going to get to six land in this deck. You, mm-hmm. you will, because that's what the deck does. So you're going to get probably a dragon, or you're going to suck out another premium removal piece yep. that your Kazool now doesn't have to worry about. Brando, I'm curious. Um, you know, little summary. Has CCO Nation started to look at deck building and cards to put in decks? It's like, this is a good card for my deck. But this will probably soak up premium removal, and that's almost <laughs> better than what the card does. Because I'll be honest, me and Tuck have started to go into that mindset where we'll almost put bait cards in decks where it's like, if I get to keep it, it's good, but it's almost better because I would rather them waste their enchantment removal on it because I got this other enchantment that I need to make sure I can land. Have you guys in your community started to think of like, how do we maybe put cards that are good, but maybe more bait removal cards? I don't know if out loud but i know i've certainly been toying with that idea where i, I just the, you load up on threats a little more right yeah. or like those sometimes you throw in like that one half of a two card combo yeah just to suck out like you're not even playing the other half right you're only yeah. playing just, blood chief ascension like just to uh-huh. get that shit out of the way yeah but, yeah so, it's something yeah. i i've uh because i'm a, I, I was a grim monolith collector before the pandemic so i was able to get them for like 50 bucks opposed nice. to the 300 they are now and so grim monolith was actually something i started doing that with i would put it into decks without power artifact because my community my group knows that i am a power artifact grim monolith guy i love making that infinite mana and so i'll sometimes i'll just play grim they're oh my god the combo's coming <laughs> and power artifacts not even in the 99 and it's like, oh, I don't know, guys. Maybe it's here. And then they waste that artifact removal. And I'm like, oh, darn. But inside, I'm like, yes, Chain Veil will live. It's it's, it's, it's like playing a counterspell when you can't play a counterspell. Yeah. Right? Like, if they've wasted the card on something that you secretly don't give a crap about, mm-hmm. good. Like, yeah, you, <laughs> good. You, you killed my thing. Yeah. 
And, and we didn't talk about it, but like Smothering Tithe could even be used as like one of those cards in the set because I think you yep. do have so many threats, but none of them are like omniscience. They're all just super annoying. And so the fact that they're all on that same power level still makes you, it's like, it's not like you're trying to trick us with some competitive deck or anything. It is like, this is the deck. It's just like the 6.5 power level. I just got like 40 of those options that are all stacks pieces. Yeah. So it's just all equally sucky. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's going to suck for you and you're going to remove stuff or yeah. or you're not. And I'm going to just play more stuff like it. Right? Like it's, it's, it's so, so good. The, the redundancy at the annoying yes. card. Redundancy. There we go. Better God. way. This deck is filled with redundancy. Um, yeah. But what is your last yeast card? I but, know it's not the one that is the last on my list. So. Is it? Is the one on your list Big Perf? Uh, hell no. Big Perf, God of the Forge. One of my pet cards. I like to play it in lots of stuff. I like to yep. play it in this deck. For obvious reasons, creatures come into play. It twos all of my opponents. I'm forcing people to attack me so I can make creatures. So that's some yep. bonus damage for stuff that's happening anyway. But it's one of the few decks where I can reliably use Perforos' second ability. I think a lot of people overlook to get in, if I've got a Blade Historian especially, a, a bunch more damage in that he fire breathes your whole team for red two. Yep. So you attack with three three threes that's nine damage sure you invest three three mana you get three more damage you have double strike you're getting six more damage it's yep it, it it it's better than it sounds and the more creatures you have the more work he's gonna do for you on top of just the blatant value and yes i know it doesn't work with hushbringer but the hushbringer is always dead before peripherals comes in 100 percent of the time the hushbringer is dead before peripherals comes down so the thing I appreciate the most about Perforos' card design is that second ability. I mean, the card's disgusting uh, in most decks, but I love that Wizards didn't do, because Brando, you know they would do this. Two colorless red, target creature you control gets plus one, plus zero till end of turn. Oh, definitely. That would have been so much worse, but that is kind of like what I feel like Wizards, a lot of fire breathing, it's usually not mass fire breathing, it's like a little bit. Um, so just like kudos to them, you know, back whenever they designed this to, Hey, you know what? Three mana, whether you got one creature or a hundred, they all get plus one plus zero. Yeah. I love those. Uh, what is, is that scalable? Yeah. They just, there we go. It just gets way better depending on how much work you've done ahead of time. I like that. Yeah. It rewards you for doing the thing, which is cool. Well, I want to talk about for my last year's card, grand master of flowers i like this card i oh, like it why? i like it in the deck i like it in the deck okay um, explain okay. it to me explain this two to colorless me. white white mythic three loyalty um he does have a static effect as long as grandmaster of flowers has seven or more loyalty counters on him he's a seven seven dragon god creature with flying and indestructible um and just to kind of clarify for the community because i'm 90 percent sure it works like this just because a Planeswalker has Indestructible, it still loses loyalty when they get damage. Correct. So this does not mean that his loyalty is just once you get to seven, it can never go down. It just means him as a, an attacker, kind of like Gideon Blackblade, uh, on his turn, he would be Indestructible. It's just like that. You can still lose loyalty, but, you know, it yeah. is whatever. Uh, but the two effects... Okay, we'll do the worthless one. Plus one, search your library or graveyard for a card named Monk of the Open Hand. Reveal it, put it in, shuffle. It's not even in the deck. Yeah. Throw it to the side. Spoiler alert, uh, yeah. I like this. Plus one, target creature without first strike, double strike, or vigilance can't attack or block until your next turn. So uh, 
The thing I like about that is I would actually probably shift this card to your hop section because I, I, I sense your confidence. I want people always swinging at me, and I can handle it. I can deal with it. Um, I don't think you could deal with Annihilator 4. That no. would kind of suck. Yes. Uh, I don't think you could deal with Exile the Top 20 of your library. Yes, I'm mentioning Eldrazi's for a reason. Uh, there's a lot of, oh, yeah, when this creature attacks, do this absurd effect. Um, all of that is just going to be really bad for you. And so I think Grandmaster for four mana, also a diversion for your opponents to swing at. Plus one, those intimidating creatures that usually don't have a bunch of these keywords. They just have some crazy attack effect. Hey, until my next turn, that can't attack, and it's not going to be able to block my ogres. So it's actually going to help preserve your board, because I would say in a format where you are having partner, non-partners partner together, you're going to get some disgusting big creatures. You're going to have some Phyrexians. You're going to have Eldrazi's. You're going to have some big, disgusting tokens that you just truly may not be able to manage. And so I think that plus one could be a saving grace for those one-offs. Now, could the card get cut and something better put in? Absolutely. But I do think it has a home in here as like a little bit of a pacifism once per turn. I'll give you that. I still hate him. I know. I know. Still it's, hate I'll him. say this. It's not your flavor. There not you go, at all. Yeah. yeah. I tried playing it. And co coincidentally, every time I've played this deck since I put Grandmaster in it, I've always drawn it. I play it. It sort of protects me for a little while. It rarely gets to turn into a creature for the big beats. And okay. it just kind of soaks up maybe one big attack that I didn't want to block. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Like it, so That's he just kind of he just kind of dies real quick. Maybe it's just because people around where I live hate planeswalkers. But mm. he doesn't he hasn't done a lot of work for me. And he's stupid with his frosted faux hawk and his not being a dragon all the time. Oh, Screw come that on. Guy, you, you know, he's a, he's a surfer bro, man. He's on the West Coast. He's out there riding the big waves. I mean, not actually riding them. He's in the full sweatsuit with like a $1,000 surfboard, just like polishing it, being like, yeah, bro, I'm waiting for that right wave. Just, just going to grind it. And then after eight hours in his tan, he's like, oh, man, it just wasn't, it wasn't the time. I'll be back next weekend. It wasn't right. I'm going to. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to drink my weird, really thick army green juice that I don't actually like and then go home. <laughs> yeah, look at this protein drink I made. And it's like, oh, let me take a swig. And it's like, wait, that's sludge. No, yeah, thank you. I shan't. Yeah. Like you flip the glass up and the, the liquid doesn't actually flow towards your mouth. And you're just like, nah, I'm not good. Nah, you know what? I've had the enough. glass actually breaks and the glass just slides next to you, but the liquid's just still in like suspended form. Uh, well, guys, thanks for the yeast. Um, we don't have a spice package, so we're heading straight to the bottle capping. Ooh. And this will be Brando's time to hear Big Tucks and Mr. Oh, Combo's yeah. cuts and adds to the deck that'll be under $5, under 50 bucks, and a no-budget recommendation. We just could not choose mana-only lands. So I've been talking a lot. I'm going to give Big Tuck a chance to talk using my mouth hole, uh, because that's just the way uh, technology works. So his under $5, he wants to cut... Aven Mind Sensor. Okay. So Aven Mind Sensor, guys, is two colorless white creature bird wizard. It's a 2-1 flash flying, and if an opponent would tutor, uh, they would only be able to look at the top four of their library. And uh, what Big Tuck wrote in is uh, first... Uh, uh, bah, 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 bah. Okay, here we go. Because he hasn't kind of broken out. 
I used to be big into Avon Mind Sensor Stan, but recently I haven't had it out when he it has made a difference. Uh, maybe my new playgroup doesn't run as many tutors, but I think you have enough Staxy stuff in here to keep them at bay. So the card, though, that he thinks you should add to here, and got to remember, guys, we are talking about Big Tuck. But honestly, Brando, this card, I think, is actually on brand for this deck and exactly what you're wanting. Uh, he thinks a little Ember Wild Captain might uh, be in the cards for you. That's so, guys, if you're not... Yeah, if you guys are not familiar with Ember Wild Captain, it's three colorless red. It's a Jin Pirate. It's a 4-2. When it ETBs, you become the Monarch. Whenever an opponent attacks you while you're the Monarch, Ember Wild Captain deals damage to that player equal to the number of cards in their hand. And what Tuck had to say with that is, uh, first off, no Monarch mechanic at the deck? Blasphemy! I added that. Uh, it's like a free card when you're playing stacks. Emberwild gives you that, plus gives even more deflection off of attacks. But granted, Tuck's not here to hear that you want to be attacked. But I think this still fee feeds in, Brando. You want yeah. people swinging at you. You have Kazool making the Ogres. And now it's you getting Ogres, and they're taking four just off their hand. Five? That's great. And Emberwild Captain makes Trove of Temptation way better too, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna put a little check mark next to that one. Nice. Nice. I, Look at that I, big tuck. Yeah. I even have an extra one. I was gonna make a joke that his name should be Big Suck because <laughs> he's not here to protect himself. But that was a good recommendation, <laughs> so I, I I I take that back. <laughs> Don't worry. We still have three more picks from him to to have him suck. Um, so mine, I was actually going to cut Norn's Annex. Um, and I actually really like this car, but I have some good reasons why. Uh, three colorless, Phyrexian white, Phyrexian white. So guys, if you're not familiar with like Phyrexian mana, you can either pay the color or pay two life. Uh, creatures can't attack you unless, uh, or a planeswalker you control unless their controller pays Phyrexian white for each of those creatures. I actually don't think that this, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But... I think what I would like to see the deck do is not rely so much on my opponents having to attack us to get them to lose life to the tokens and try to get some more things to where it's like we could use these stacks pieces to then kind of build up our board state and then actually be able to be proactive and hit. So the card that I think we should add in, Brando and I talked about it precast, Assemble the Legion. I think you just do the swap. I think that's a better swap. Three colorless, red, white, or Boros. Uh, enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a muster counter on a symbol of the Legion. Then put a 1-1 one, one red and white soldier creature token with haste onto the battlefield for each muster counter on a symbol of the Legion. Um, and currently, guys, those are going for about a buck sixty. So, uh, I think this is a great card. I think this is a casual catnip for people to use premium removal on it. Mm -hmm. because this card can get insanely scary. Oh, yeah. But uh, I have a little bit of synergy with my next pick that we'll get to in a bit around the red and white. But I really looked at this, and I mean, you got Cathar's Crusade in here. And when I see Cathar's Crusade, we, we got to have ways to consistently get tokens yeah. without relying on our opponents to have any say in the matter. And at least assemble the Legion, you're at least getting one, then two, then three. And that Cathar's Crusade can really build up. Um, do you think... Cutting Norn's Annex for they're both five CMCs. So we're not even increasing cost. Do you think that's a fair swap? I th the only reason it's not in here already because I really like that card, especially with Cathar's Crusade, is because I I had a self imposed. I tried to limit the number of red and white things I played, 
in order to convince people to let me play the deck. But if yeah. you guys are cool with me playing Assemble the Legion, I can virtually guarantee Assemble the Legion will make an appearance in this deck list. Oh, thousand percent, bro. That is a great card. We have no restrictions, no ban list. Just it has to be a legal commander deck outside of how you're doing your partners. So have at it. You guys are going to regret that. You know that, right? So uh, (laughs) the next card for under 50, Big Tuck. Dude, he's cutting Goblin Diplomats. What the hell? Big suck. Come on. So uh, and here's and now you can assign him Big Suck. Uh, honestly, there are about 20 cards I would cut because I hate stacks deck, but I understand what we're trying to do here, so we'll give them a pass. I feel the goblins are interesting, but I feel like you have enough effects on enchantments slash are playing enough cards. I disagree with that. I love me some goblin diplomats, but <laughs> let's see what Tuck thinks we should be putting in. He thinks the card you should be swapping it for is Chandra Awakened Inferno. Four colorless, red, red, six loyalty. The spell can't be countered. Plus two, each opponent gets an emblem with, at the beginning of your upkeep, this emblem deals one damage to you. Minus three, Chandra Awakened Inferno deals three damage to each non-elemental creature. Minus X, Chandra Awakened Inferno deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker. If a permanent is dealt damage this way, would die this turn, exile it instead. And his logic there was, so we definitely need some ways to win this game, so why not jam... Uh, a plane, another planeswalker to trigger off of your good boy Mila, the other planeswalker. Chandra clears the board of little guys at the cost of your ogres, and also starts putting a quick clock on your opponents. But how can you defend her? You ask. See potentially the next pick. So how do you feel about Chandra Awakened Inferno? I think we could both agree, Goblin Diplomats slam Duncan here. Absolutely. But for the other reasons. Do you think Chandra deserves a spot? I have, I have a love-hate relationship with Chandra Awakened Inferno because she's she costs so much to play yeah. initially, and your initial benefit is one damage per opponent per upkeep, which is nothing. And in most of the decks I play her in, she just gets just removed immediately, right? Yeah. Even in this deck, like people will pay the three four five mana whatever it is to attack me and let their creature take two damage from the light mine field to make sure that chandra dies yeah and i found that happens a lot and when you're when you've invested six mana in a spell that's just immediately dusted it just feels bad and especially cutting something like goblin diplomats for it like i i totally understand where big tuck's coming from and i like the the slow buildup of the emblems, but I just feel like you're only going to get one, two emblems tops before she just dies. And the deck doesn't have enough hard lock pieces where you can just say, look, you guys are taking five damage a turn. You're never going to yeah. untap a land ever again. Yeah. Do you just concede? call it quits. We're good. GG's. Right? Yeah. Like the deck doesn't do that. And I think that's what we'd have to do to make Chandra not good enough, but good enough. Yeah, no, no, I, I think that's a fair statement to say. And I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I'm not a fan of the... I actually, I, I I love the plus two and I love the stackable of the emblems. I actually think that's a very cool idea. Um, and emblems, as we all know, can't go away. I think the only reason this is an absolute no for me is because I, I look at it from this perspective. Six mana is a lot. What do we normally do for six mana in Boros? I mean, that's like one mana away from Gisela type shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, okay, we got to be, a, we're just a little bit worse than her. And really the minus three might as well not read anything because you're never going to do it. 
because you're losing all your ogres. That I mean, well, that is desperate with, times calls for desperate measures, and you're probably just doing a normal with, board wipe with rune tail in play. I will. Oh, lose that's anything, fair. That's fair. Right. That's fair. So, so the minus three isn't terrible, and I mean, I feel like that's what I'd play her for. But if I'm yeah. gonna do that, I'm on. There's probably something that doesn't cost six that I can use yeah. to do three damage to all the creatures. Right. That's super fair. I can play a sweltering uh, well, suns. My under 50, I'm cutting Perforos. I pet card, get it. And if you want to leave it, totally fine. The only reason I wanted to cut it is because there's not enough creature or token generation in this deck, in my opinion, never seeing it played, to make Perforos really pop off. Um, you know, I, I hear the Kazool stuff. I, I hear that. I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna see it in a month, but I guess I'll, I'm gonna have to see it to believe it of the someone swinging six at me and they can't pay 18 and I got six ogres. That's 12 damage each opponent. Um, I just don't know if we're going to see enough of that to make Perforos just make a lot of sense. Okay. But listen to this bad boy. And this is why I talked about Assemble the Legion being real good. No, Assemble the Legion Veilfire also. Liege? Oh, wait, Veilfire oh. Liege. Hang on. I know Two what that colorless, is. Two yeah. colorless, uh, hybrid, hybrid, hybrid. Of course, it's all Boros. Creature Spirit Horror. It's a 2-4. Other red creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Other white creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever you cast a red spell, Balefire Liege deals three damage to target player. Whenever you cast a white spell, you gain three life. So I went through your deck. You got a lot of colors. It's a lot of white. But you kind of talked about it with Hushbringer earlier. Hey, she's not going to be like living in the red zone, but I got to be above 30. She can kind of help supplement that for Runetail. Balefire Leech does that three times better basically getting a reverse lightning bolt to your life total. Um, and then when you need to start target removing people, hey, uh, I wish I could attack through, but they too are stacks player, uh, tip of the cat to you. Uh, well, how about I just start lightning bolting you two, three times a turn? We'll go back two, three times in that turn. And you can just slowly ping them down through lightning bolts. But then all of your other opponents, your creatures at bare minimum are getting plus one, plus one. But then your freaking assembled legions are getting three threes. So they get your four four ogres, and they got these three three red white soldiers, and you're just going to pound town on everyone's <laughs> life totals. So uh, Balefire Lege, I didn't mention, is coming in at about uh, $3. So what do you think about Perforos for the liege? I mean, maybe I could play both. Mm -hmm. Especially if I'm going to play Assemble, because Assemble the Legion and Perforos is, uh, is pretty good. That is very good. That right? is very good. But, um... I mean, I never, th I thought about Balefire Liege when I initially conceptualized the deck. Yeah. And and again, just because of the building restriction that I put on for myself, I ended up playing Blade sure. Historian because it just does more damage right away. Yeah. But I do like a Balefire Liege, and I already have some that I never get to play. There so, you I go. Mean, maybe I could find a spot for them in here. Yeah. Well, and like, that's the thing that I've loved about this challenge is nobody's saying that what you're doing, you have to keep that deck forever. I mean, technically, we all have illegal decks that need rule zero conversations. Yeah. So it's like, fuck it, throw it in there. Because, I mean, it's like, how often do you get to play that? And so you throw in the Balefire Liege, and, like, maybe on stream you finally get to see it. I mean, I doubt it, but maybe you do. <laughs> and then maybe it just whoops some candy ass. And it's like, oh, that was really good. Worked way better than I thought. Or you might see, like, uh, you know, I, I got a little Anthem effect, and I didn't really get much other than that. Okay, you know, it, it didn't do what I thought it would. Yeah, give, um, it, give it the bounce. Give yeah, it the yeah, give it the old college try. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't hurt. Unless it All does. right. Big Tuck, no budget. 
All right. What is what is he? He wants to one? cut Trinisphere. What? Three colorless uh, mythic artifact. If it's untapped, each spell that would cost less than three mana costs three mana to cast. Uh, so essentially, guys, to give you an example of a spell that would cost a colorless black would cost two colorless black. Just essentially, the colors stay the same. It's just the total CMC has to equal three. His logic, if, you're cas- if you're cascading into something, your free spell costs three now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Trinisphere is real good. It has its own step. In like the resolution of a thing. If you look at the rules, there's like a Trinisphere oh, that's cool. step. That's how good Trinisphere is. That's a good ass card. You want to play some well, Storm? Trinisphere. Get the f*** out of here with your Storm. <laughs> well, Trinisphere makes uh, Big Tuck's Jund and Rakdos brain hurt. It also cuts off a lot of your early plays. Um, and with the uh, quote unquote grain section you've put together, I think this may end up slowing you down a little bit too much, but also maths, as you call them up there, is for suckers. <laughs> um, and before I read his next card, what would a Boros deck be without one of my potential Magic the Gathering brides? It gives extra protection leaves your ogres out, and then turns them into flying monstrosities. Don't mind if I do. He wants to add his fucking pet card. Hey, be proud of me. I didn't put Alter the Brood in mine. Uh, <laughs> Elspeth, Sun's Champion. Elspeth four colorless, white, white. Planeswalker Elspeth comes in with four loyalty. Uh, you can pick up a copy for about $8. Plus one, put three one one white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield. I mean, that kind of goes in with the Perforos and the Go White. I mean, we just kind of talked yeah. about that. Yeah. Here's where I think he, li- I actually like this card better than the Chandra. Minus three, destroy all creatures, power four or greater. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm keeping all my ogres, baby. Like, fuck off. Well, except, like, my um, ogre my ogre factory would, would eat shit, but I guess. Yeah. Small price Yeah, to but, you know, I, I feel like that's probably an effect you're doing. Either I got to save myself from my opponents because I can't even recover if they attack me. Or you've just been neutered. And it's like, I kind of need a level set to, you know, make the game go. Yeah. But I like this minus seven. You get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus two, plus two, and have flying. Ooh. That's real nice. That's real spicy. So I know you were anti the Trinisphere getting cut, but I mean, do you feel like Elspeth maybe gives you more gas than Trinisphere can slow down? Well, let me let me counter your question with a question, Mr. Combo. Uh, okay. How many low CMC's spell slinger bullshit decks do you think I'll be playing in me? Because... You know, if there's a bunch of those, I'll probably yeah. keep the Trinisphere. <laughs> but I if mean, we're I could... plan a lot of swingy beats. Then I mean, maybe, maybe this Elspeth gimmick might work. Yeah, I mean, I can at least say my deck uh, ain't ain't nothing small. Uh, my average CMC is like four nine, four eight. <laughs> so I don't know if that's gonna really matter to moi. I think that minus three would suck a lot more for my deck. Um, but I, I think it's just kind of, I think this is one of these perfect deck building things to where it's like, okay, am I putting in a, a card in the 99 because of the possibility that my opponents, one person might be cascady, spell slingery, stormy, or do I put a card in my 99 that directly interacts with what my deck actually wants and will win me the game? I guess that's kind of where... Do, is it the bird in the hand versus bird in the bush type thing? Do you want what you actually know you have, or is it the potential possibility? I see that for sure. And I think maybe one of the reasons why I also play the the Trinisphere is it denies my opponent's mana. 
So mm-hmm. when they try to attack me, they don't have the mana Very to good. pay either to attack me or for Kazool. And that's why mm-hmm. most of that stuff is, that's why I play the, the sphere of resistance and the things that make like, just make spells cost more, right? Cause then you don't have the mana to, to stop me from getting dudes. So it either keeps you from attacking me entirely or yeah. it just feeds my battle plan. But yeah, at the same time, Elspeth's pretty good. Although I don't have one. And really, you don't have a sun's champion. I, I don't, well, I don't play white, man. This is the this is the <laughs> whitest deck I have. I'm a it's so player, white. Dude. It thinks mayonnaise is a part of the food pyramid. Probably. It's so white you couldn't see it if it was snowing. But <gasps> like here we are. And I'm here I, we are. Maybe I could get, I'm gonna put a question mark next to that one. Maybe I'll see. All right. Maybe, I should probably own one of those cards anyway, right? Like it's pretty good. All right. Well, uh my no budget pick. Also a no budget limitless pick anything card. He picks an eight dollar six mana planeswalker. Oh, that's good, man. I picked a three dollar and fifty cent card. Oh, you're so. even worse. Mr. <laughs> Combo numbers suck. That's who that's who you are. Well, I, I actually did what you asked. I'm cutting winter orb from the deck. Two colorless artifact. If it's untapped, players can't untap more than one land during their untapped steps. Actually, the only reason I'm cutting it from your deck is because it actually serves no purpose or value for your deck. You have no way to interact with it. Beyond the mana denial. Because I'm forcing you to attack. And me sitting there doing nothing nets me ogres. You sitting there doing nothing nets me ogres. (laughs) Well, how about I net you some hobgoblins? Let's add in Rise of the Hobgoblins. Hybrid, hybrid Boros enchantment. When Rise of the Hobgoblins comes into play, you may pay X. If you do, put X11 red and white goblin soldier creature tokens into play. Activation cost. Hybrid Boros. Red creatures and... White creatures you control gain first strike until end of turn. I really, really like this card for... Because stacks... And you've talked about it. You you were trying to play that long game. You're getting out a lot of your lands out of the the deck. I see Rise of the Hobgoblins being that beautiful spice card for your deck where you've been trying to do your thing. Kazool costs freaking 11. And you're like, am I really paying 11 to get this dude out and have everyone then probably pay 3? Well, let me put 11 into this and get 9 one, one red and white soldier creature tokens that get 9 perforos triggers, that get the double strike, that get the Balefire Liege plus 2 plus 2 because they are both colors. It, I think it's going to f- give you a mana sink when you're not sure what to do. But then the first strike ain't half bad either because if you don't have Rune Tail out, this kind of gives you pseudo indestructible because you'll be able to get your damage on them first. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. And, and also good. I have one of those. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I liked this because I know you wanted to build goblins and didn't have the time to do it. And I was like, let me give this guy some goblins. Yeah, you know, I, I might just put that in there for posterity because it's a goblin card. And yeah. another card that I really like that I've never had the opportunity to play in a deck. I'll have that and- one too. Tuck and I both actually have a bonus card before we wrap up the episode and get oh. feedback from Brando on this. Oh, uh, his bonus card, verbatim, Brando. How can you run a Boros deck and not have your boy, the Taint Painter, a.k.a. Brash Taunter, in here for shame? <laughs> to, 
100% truth, I actually do have one pulled to go into the deck after I did the episode with you guys. <laughs> so I'm I'm right there with you, Tuck. I'm there will be a brash taunter in this deck come May. It will happen. All right. Here's my bonus card. $23. Oh shit. I don't know if you have a copy of it because I never heard of it. Okay. But Brando, you're gonna get to a point where you need to close out the sum bitch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you don't need to be playing more lands. You got your 10, 12 lands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Waves of aggression. Three colorless hybrid boros, hybrid boros sorcery. It has retrace. Before I read the effect, it has retrace. You may play this card from your graveyard by discarding a land card in addition to paying its other costs. Guys, the great thing about this is it doesn't exile itself. You can just keep doing it over and over and over again. You ready, Brando? I am. Untap all creatures that attacked this turn. After this main phase, there's an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase. Late game, when you got your shit going and you do not need lands, Pay five. Let me get a uh, combat, extra combat. Let me discard a land card. Pay five. Get another extra combat. Basically, you, as long as you're discarding lands, you're getting an extra combat every single time for that. I mean, you got to pay the five mana. But I think this is a card that you could say, okay, late game. We've talked about it. I got 12 lands out. Okay. Um, I don't have quite enough to kill anyone. Oh, wait. Waves of regression. Just sneak it out of fucking nowhere. Oh, I needed three combats to kill this player? Okay. I have them now. Swing. Boom. Waves of aggression. Hit him again. Retrace. Waves of aggression again. Fuck you. And the next turn, you're doing it to the next guy. This card, I think, is your secret game winner in this deck. I like that. I I think I might have one of those, too. Really? Okay. Well, well, I played back then, right? Yeah, Eventide, man. There's all sorts of bangers in there that they just... I don't know. They just felt like they didn't want to reprint them anymore, but I'm sure I have one of those. <laughs> I'm putting the question. I'm going to put a question mark next to that one. I'm going to look in my box when we're done recording the show. And you guys are going to regret all of this because it's no, going to be, I'm not going to regret going to any great. of it. I'm going to love every GD minute of it. Let me tell you that. <laughs> um, and guys, thanks for making it until the end of the episode. And uh, Hey, if you enjoyed it, leave us some positive feedback on whatever consumption platform you found us, listen to us on, even maybe send a nice little tweet. Um, and if you'd actually like to get a hold of the people here and find out some of our content and where to find it, here's how you can do that. You can reach me and uh, all the content we do over at cmdtower.com and at Mr. Comet number five on Twitter, all spelled out except for the five uh, Brando uh, CCO Nation, wh- where can people find you? Where can they find your guys' content and how can they support you? Well, I am uh, CCO Brando on Twitter if you want to find me there. Uh, C- CommanderCookout.com is probably the easiest way to find us. We're on all major social media platforms, uh, CCO Podcast, we're on YouTube, we're everywhere you want us to be. If you liked what I said here or you look at the show and you enjoy it, uh, patreon.com slash CCO Podcast if you can help us grow and move along. We're starting some really exciting new content in the next few months. So, I mean, bookmark it, check it out. We really appreciate it. Uh, when we get to 3,000 subs on YouTube, we're going to blow something up with an actual explosion. We're thinking possibly, possibly if we can get a good deal on it, a box of double feature. We, we're going to detonate one on the Oh, internet. my God. So... I mean, that's what I'm pushing for, but we have to be able to like afford one first. So we have to wait for like the everybody hates this and now it's super cheap sale. But uh, depending on how long we, we take to get there. But that's the kind of stuff that we do over in the nation. Everybody's welcome. We'd love to have you. So so check us out if you got some time and the inclination. 
You can always go to our main uh, Twitter as well to find out what's going on on the channel at CMD Tower uh, as well. Uh, also, we will have this deck list posted, uh, an accompanying article, um, any accompanying videos at cmdtower.com slash BNBE133. Uh, essentially, guys, if you just type into to the Amazon web space, uh, Chaos Fear Mangara, the diplomat, the ready scrap servant, savant, uh, tower.com. Now, of course, we talked about our Patreon earlier, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We really just appreciate any kind of support you could bring us. We're always trying to collaborate with our community, like the Collective Diagnosis, like after this month of our partner and non-partner, we're actually going to have one of our Patreons on Bruise and Builds uh, doing one of their decks. Um, and all of those are benefits on top of us doing uh, playmats and sleeves and tokens and all that kind of crap that we give out to you guys for, for supporting us. So patreon.com slash cmdtower, go check it out. Um, and of course, you know, you might have seen uh, on stream, whether it's me, Big Tuck, Murphys, whatever, uh, some of our sweet swag. It could be our sweaters, uh, could be our play mats, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of that, cmdtower.com slash merch. Anything you guys could do to help out, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, I, I actually did a great life goal for myself and I completed it. Actually organized all of our merch, and it's in this wow. beautiful stack now in my basement, opposed <laughs> to just being fucking chaos everywhere. Um, it's great for guys. I kid you not. For like three months, I had like seventy sweaters just taking over over here. It was like a freaking uh, elf ball army. I couldn't handle it. Uh, now. Fairly new partnership that we have, abyssproxyshop.com. Uh, this is the playtest person that I've been using for well over half a decade. Um, and the thing that I love about them is that if you type custom card into their site, they will design any type of proxy, playtest, however you want to use your verbiage, magic card out there that you could use for a deck. Um, and if you use code CMD Tower, you're getting 10% off your order. We're getting a little bit of kickback as well. And on top of that, it's combinable with every other discount they have on their site. So if you want those free freaking dual lands that they're handing out, go for it. If you want to get the extra 20% or an extra, you know, whatever free shipping, you get that too. Um, and I will say thank you so much to our community because we started this in February. From February to March, you guys basically did 10x the amount of sales. So I'm super excited to see what April's going to bring. But we're at the end of the episode. And Brando, Bruise and Builds, Kazool's Lucky Rune Tale. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little scared and excited. Ooh. Uh, I, I don't know what to equate that to. But how do you feel the dialogue went about the deck? And actually, what I'm more curious about is how do you feel like the cuts and ads are going to work? And your final thought on is partner, non-partner, just this busted thing. And this is just a fun, cool thought experiment. Partner, non-partner, I'll start with that. I think that this is going to be a great game. It's going to be super interesting. And I think based on conversations I've had with you and what I know about Tuck, I don't think it's going to be as broken as it could be. Because there are definitely yeah. some combinations that would just blow the format open. I don't think anybody's going to be playing those. At least I hope not. Yeah. As far as the cuts and ads go, I'm... I'm pretty pumped about this. I really like that Ember Wild Captain. I like the Assemble the Legion. I like the Waves of Aggression. And I think it's going to make the deck nothing but better. And I can yeah. cut some stuff I already hate. So, yeah. cool. I mean, yeah, I'm breaking my own rules. But since I made the rules, I can I can do whatever I want. Yeah, absolutely. If I want to break them, I, I, I heck and will. So I'm, I'm excited for how everything went. I'm pumped to play the game with you guys. I'm glad that I got included in this madcap experiment that you're doing. And yes. overall, I think that this is going to be a great time and a really cool deck when I'm done with it. Yeah, I, I think this, Brando, um, 
I think in the cuts and ads section, the cuts you could kind of throw out the window. I would almost say if you're like, you know, I got these cards laying around and I think this is just going to make the deck that much better. I almost think you could probably go into your list and like, what's just blatant stacks and what's the stacks that's forcing combat to me and forcing combat in general. And you might be able to take out some of the just generic them wasting mana. And it's like, I want you wasting all your resources on the combat. I always want you in that red zone, always swinging, always trying to do something. And maybe that makes room for a few of these cards because the the challenge that Tuck and I have had, and we'll be getting your thoughts on um big tux deck yes um is you've actually got to play this deck a few times so you kind of have a little bit of an idea but i mean you have it i doubt you've played it 50 times or 30 times or it's in standard rotation so sometimes it's hard to be able to do that objective look because like with my deck i literally just built it online two weeks ago I, I don't know what the fuck needs to get cut and like anything that you tell me needs to get cut. And I'm like, no, I just put it in there. I don't even know how it works. So I think this could almost be this like pivot of, well, I like these cards and you've actually got to play the deck. And it's like, well, I might want to just be more combat focused or, you know what? I want them spending all their mana to do this. Um, and I think that's where these extra cards can easily slot in. Yeah. And I, I'm into that very much. And I think that that's going to be like, because my deck isn't as sturdy probably as the ones you're building based on its flimsy mana base. But I do think, I do think that doing the pivot of, hey, I know what my deck does. I know how all the cards yep. work together and I've actually seen them played. And that's something that I'll have going over, over all three of you guys, which yeah. will keep me in contention because I actually know that my deck works and you guys don't. And that's pretty exactly. cool. I, it's exactly right. Well, guys, thanks for being here. And as always, see you later.